All right, let's open our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 10. Let's go on a journey today. I want to talk about the anointing of preservation. And uh, those of you in the chapel, I want to make sure you have your Bibles there. And uh, I want to talk about not just the anointing, which we've talked about, is the power of God. We define the anointing as, watch this, it's God's spirit that comes down upon human flesh doing what human flesh can't do. That's why the Bible says that, that Jesus even, in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It's why when Jesus went into the temple, we'll look at this in uh, a little bit cl more closer, when he said, look at me, and he read out of the book of Isaiah, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. And then he begins to give the job description of what that precious anointing did. And so we're going to talk about when Jesus announced that, when he declared that in the temple, something of God not only came on his life by the way of the anointing, but in that anointing that came upon him was preservation, protection, preserved until the time that he would lay down his life. Now, I say this for you that are watching because I'll never forget it before the 2020 election. You know, that election that was stolen that we need to still continue to keep our foot on the gas. Amen. It was in August of last year, and I, I, I'll never forget it. I was working on my HO train uh, layout in my basement, and I was gluing something on, and I felt the presence of God enter my room. And I, I stopped as I was holding something, and I said, Lord, you're here. And I went to turn around, and I heard the voice of God standing in my room, and he said to me, this, this, is, this just touches my heart so much. He said to me, may, may I speak to you? And as I stood there feeling his presence, I fell on the ground, my face forward. And I was shaking and I said, God, your servant does not need permission. You are God to speak to me. But your servant shall hear. And if you desire, I shall repeat your words. He said... This election will be stolen. And I prophesy that August 16th of 2020. And he said, but I have dedicated this election to the honor of my son. And he said, it won't look like it, but you will see that he will get his harvest. Then he said to me, he said, I am also dedicating this election to the honor of the children. For the enemy is trying to steal their future. How many remember these prophecies? But he said he will not get it by with it and he will not be able to keep or take my nation from me. I said, God, why? He said, because, and you listen very closely, he said, because of the anointing of preservation that is upon this land. Now, do you know that conflict will produce power? This is why the devil is such an idiot. Because when Jesus was led into the wilderness... To be tested or tried of the devil. The devil for 40 days and 40 nights was hammering Jesus. But he didn't realize what did it produce. Luke chapter 4 verse 16 put it up. Jesus came out of those 40 days of temptation in the power of the spirit of God. What am I saying to you? We have gone through two years of hardship. Two years of chaos. 
And what the enemy thought he could do was to shut down God's people and the Lord's church. He thought he could get by with it, but yet God, who was all wise, saying, Oh, devil, didn't you remember when you pressed and you pressed and you pressed, whether it be Goliath, it produced an anointed king. When you pressed the Son of God, He came out in the power of the Spirit. America, we are going to see transfiguration, change. We are going to see His glory. We are going to see His power. This is what it's going to produce. And part of that is because of the anointing of preservation. So look at Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. We often quote this, and I want to just start here, and then we're going to go on our little journey. Isaiah 10, 27. And it shall come to pass in that day... That his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder. Now I want you to imagine an ox, a big old ox, fat muscular ox. Imagine a yoke upon its neck or upon its shoulders. How many have that picture? So as we continue to read, watch this. And don't misquote this verse like songs misquote this verse. Preachers misquote this verse. Christians misquote this verse. And it says that the Yoke shall be taken away from off that ox, from off his neck. And watch this. This is where they misquote it. They say the yoke shall be broken. That's not the translation. The yoke shall be destroyed. You don't want the anointing to break the yoke. Because if there's something that the enemy has put on you and the anointing only breaks it, it means that same devil or others can put it back together. But if God's anointing destroys it, it means it literally, absolutely It doesn't even exist. You can't find any pieces. You can't find any fragments to put it back together. Now watch this, because in the literal Hebrew it says, the yoke off his neck will be destroyed because of the anointing. But the literal translation is because of the fatness. Because that ox is so fat, so blessed, so prospered, so strong with that anointing. That no matter what they try to put on the shoulders of that ox, that ox will be preserved. How many see the connection? Anointing, preservation. Anointing, that ox is protected. It cannot be yoked. It cannot come under any kind of control. Bondage. Are you listening? Now let's talk about this anointing of preservation. You have to see this. Because... When you look at people in the Bible, and you just let's just go through through some some stories in Scripture. After Samson lost his anointing, what happened to his life? Come on, help me out. He died. Once Elijah announced that he was going to be taken away, and that his mantle, which was asked for by his protege Elisha. Once he was caught up into heaven, he didn't die a physical death, but he was taken up into heaven. What happened to that anointing that was on his life? It fell to the earth. What happened? Now, you got to remember in the story of Miriam and Aaron, when they attacked the servant, their brother, Moses, they began to talk against him. And the scripture said they not only talk against Moses, but they talked against God. And people often say, well, you know, God keeps score. But do you know the scripture literally says in the, in the Bible that they talked against God and, and his servant Moses these ten times. 
And God had enough. And so he went down and he confronted Miriam. He confronted Aaron. Miriam got what? Leprosy. And we often think, well, what happened to Aaron? Well, you keep reading a few chapters later. It wasn't that long where God calls Aaron out. Watch this. And he says, take off that mantle that is dripping with the anointing. My, my, my paraphrase. Soon as he took off his mantle, he died. Because there was an anointing that preserved his life. Let's talk about Jesus. This is where we're going now. So Jesus is on the cross, and he's looking down, and what are the soldiers doing? They're gambling, and they're dividing up his garment, which would be symbolic of his anointing. And they're dividing it into four parts. We don't have time to go into why it was four parts. But it represents what we call the fivefold ministry. Really in a fourfold understanding as you look at it in scripture. So here's the thing. Once that mantle is lifted off of Jesus' life, he dies. So what was it until Jesus chose to lay down his life, what was it that kept him? There was an anointing on him. That's why the Bible says... He came out, let's look at Luke chapter 4, verse 16. He came out in the power of what? And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and his custom was. And he went into the synagogue that day and he stood up. What is it? Is it Luke 4? Come on, Hank, you know this. Is it 14? No, before that he came out in the power of the Spirit. 14, that's what it is. That's what I thought. All right, help me out there. So verse 14, he now is, is being, he, he's done being tempted of the devil. That conflict produced a, an anointing. But it says in Luke 14, verse 14, or Luke 4, excuse me. I am so, the anointing still from that prophecy is messing with me. Sorry about that. And Jesus returned, notice this, in the power of what? Okay, so what's the source of power? The Spirit. Acts 10.38. Jesus was what? Anointed by what? The Holy Spirit. So Jesus, you could say, returned in the power of the anointing of the Spirit of God. So the anointing is on him. It came from conflict. What's going to produce the anointing that's going to start destroying these yokes that have been upon our nation and upon the people? It's going to be the anointing. And the enemy has overplayed his hand. You just look at, well, this is the new norm. Excuse me. You're looking at what's happening that the enemy's doing, and you're not seeing the redemptive plan. God's allowing this to happen because he's going to produce an anointing that's going to kick the butt of a lot of people. (laughs) So Jesus now comes out. Now watch where he goes. Let's go verse 16. That's where we're going to go next of Luke 4. So he comes out in the anointing. He comes out in the power of the Spirit of God. And now he goes in verse 16, as his habit was, as his custom was, he goes into the temple. And I like what he does in verse 18. Now he opens the book up in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, and he begins to say something. He says, behold, well, behold means pay attention, look at me. Watch. And he opens the Bible up, and he knew exactly where to go, you could say. 
And he began to declare something out of his mouth. Now, this is key, those of you that are watching. The anointing of preservation increases upon our life. Jesus had the spirit without measure. Okay? We can increase the measure on us. And one of the ways that we do it is just like Jesus did right here by decreeing it. So let's do it. Say it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. I'm anointed. So watch this. Jesus declares this now. And he declares that this anointing is upon him. And he begins to tell you what he's anointed to do. And you can see it. He's anointed to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He sent me to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. So how many of you see that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him? And that Spirit that's on him has released the presence of God, or what we call the anointing. Someone say anointing. anointing. Now let's keep reading. Because something begins to happen. And so in verse 20, he closes the book. He gives it to the minister. He sits down and all eyes were upon him in the synagogue. Now, you know those eyes were not like, wow. I mean, how many ever had eyes on him? I preach every Sunday, so I know what this is. Right? Or, you're making me mad. I have people in audiences like that. I can see it. They're manifesting. You're making me mad. I'm like, good. I'll just keep preaching right to you. I love to make people mad. Because Jesus did the same. And I just want to be like Jesus. He made lots of people mad. And he began to say unto them, This day the scripture is fulfilled in your ears. And all bore witness of him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. So now they're saying, oh man, he's got gracious words. But then they shift into something that is an enemy of the anointing. That's why in Mark chapter 6, Jesus goes in there with that anointing. That's without measure. And the Bible says all he could heal was a few with a, with a headache. He could do no mighty works because they got familiar. They did the same thing here. They said, oh, is this not Joseph's son? You, you go over to Mark 6, and they, they start saying, oh, isn't this the carpenter's boy? Oh, that's just Pastor Hank. No, you got to see that as Pastor Hank, and the Spirit of the Lord God is upon him. Are, are you here? You can get familiar. People that know you, you, they have to be careful. Don't get familiar. Don't get familiar with your church. Because this is what they did. They go from great words to now, they're starting to get familiar. And now that anointing is like a garden hose. That power can be quenched by your familiarity. Don't just come in, you know, and with praise and worship, just stand there waiting for God to do something. No, the anointing is attracted to hunger and to press. That's why the woman who had an issue of blood pressed. And she got that anointing and it stopped her issues. Right? All right, and let's go on. Now watch this. So now he begins to really mess with them. And I like this. Jesus is going to make them mad. And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. Whatsoever we've heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, I say to you that a prophet is, is accepted, uh, no prophet is accepted in his own country. That's familiarity. So he's saying, look, I'm standing before you. I am the Messiah. I am that anointed prophet. I am standing in front of you, and yet you're going to reject me. And so he shows them how <laughs> that they're going to reject him. 
So in verse 25, he says, but I tell you the truth. There were many widows that were in Israel, many Jews in those days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine that went throughout all the land. But none of them was the prophet sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon. In other words, a Gentile place, a Gentile woman that was a widow. So now they're already getting mad. He already said a prophet is without honor in a hometown. He's saying, man, there were many Jews, but the prophet was not sent to the Jews. Instead, he went over to a Gentile. He's talking about himself. The Jews would reject him, but now (laughs) the Gentiles would receive him. And so they know where he's going. Again, he's out to make them mad. He's out to make a point. And he says, um, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed, all being Jews, except Naaman, a Gentile, a Syrian. And all, he's saying, basically, I've been sent to you Jews, and you're rejecting me. So I'm going to go take this anointing that I just announced as the Messiah. I'm going to take it to the Gentiles. And so, no, okay, otherwise they wouldn't be mad. So notice what he does. And all the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with what? I told you Jesus made people mad. A good preacher will do that. Because it'll make you change. It'll confront your heart. So, you know, if you leave here, oh, that guy just makes me so mad. Say, oh, he's so biblical. (laughs) And they rose up. They threw him out of the city and led him to a brow. So in other words, they must have had a grip on him. To a hill where the city was built that they might now, as they got a hold of him, throw Jesus down headlong. They wanted to kill him. They didn't want him to, you know, if he is the son of God, land on his feet, he might bounce back up. No, we're going to throw him headlong. We're going to kill him. But Jesus, because that anointing that he declared was upon him, that anointing of preservation, watch this. He passed through the midst of them and went his way. Now, look at verse 30. How did he do that? How did he do that? He did that because of the anointing, and it was the anointing. This is a supernatural passing by. Let me give you another example. Go to John chapter 6. So in John chapter 6, I love this story in verse 15. This is where America's at right now. And Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and try to make him a king. He departed into a mountain to pray. And when he was even now come, his disciples went down into the sea. So Jesus is praying. His disciples are now out in a boat, and they entered into a ship, and they went over the sea towards Capernaum. And notice it was dark. This is where people are at. Oh, it's so dark. Nothing good is going to happen. We might as well just have the Lord rapture us. And so you're hearing a lot of rapture crapture. And so... The sea arose, Jesus wasn't with them, because a great wind blew. And when they had rowed about five and twenty or thirty furlongs, which is some say two to three miles, so now they're out in the middle of the lake, two to three miles deep into it, and Jesus is not there. Watch this. Jesus begins to walk on the sea, drawing nigh unto the ship, and they were so afraid. And he said unto them, it is I, be not afraid. Now, another translation of this same story, you can find in Mark 6. 
And Jesus sends the disciples out. They're rowing two to three miles, those of you that are watching. And the disciples are there, and it says the wind was contrary. This is where people are at today. Oh, don't you know all the things that are contrary against us? Inflation, high gas prices, 46 that doesn't exist, a war in Ukraine. And I tell you, everything is contrary. And the Bible says that Jesus saw from the place of prayer at the time of darkness, that's when God shows up. Hello. Deuteronomy 4 he called Moses to the dark cloud where he was. God shows up when it's dark. Jesus, in Mark chapter 6 translation of that same story, walks out on the water. And the Bible says it was a test. It says he purposely intended to pass them by. And notice what the disciples did. Exactly what people are doing. They report what the news says, what the headline says, what the guy on the street says, those who don't make them mad says, and, and those that lie to them, they repeat it. And they said, as they look at Jesus, here it is a visitation in the time of darkness. Hello? We're in the middle of visitation. Whose visitation? The Lord. And they called him a ghost. In other words, they attributed things that God was doing. All they could see was something evil. That's what people are doing. Oh, there's a war in Ukraine. Don't you see what God's doing? He's, he, these prophecies are being fulfilled. Okay, how about the one that they just talked about, the thumb drive? Remember that one? Connected to a laptop. Oh, poor Hunter. Okay. I will, I will cause the media to have to tell the truth. When was the last time you saw the lamestream media now having to literally talk about a laptop and now this thumb drive? Because God said, I'm going to shove my thumb at them and it'll be a thumb drive. I remember that process like three years ago or whatever. It's all happening because Jesus is coming. With righteousness and justice. So they finally get Jesus in the boat. Now, I want you to see this. Remember, Luke 4, they had a hold of Jesus. They're going to throw him off the cliff. They couldn't because of the anointing of preservation. Not until Jesus would lay down his life. Now watch this. That passing by that I told you in Luke 4, when they tried to throw him off a cliff, watch how you know it was supernatural. Let's go back to John 6. So now Jesus gets in the boat with them. This is the test. Are you going to call on me, America? Church, are you going to close down and still stay closed down? Can you believe this church is still closed down? If, you, if, you, if you're waiting for your church to open up, can I, can I give you a word from Hank? Get out! I would never want to be under a pastor that is a coward. There you go. All right. That's cowardly. Okay, let's go on. I was going to say something else, and the Holy Spirit said no. <laughs> well, what were you going to say? He told me not to say it, so I'm not going to tell you. But it had a little bit of sauce added to it. So verse 21, watch this. So Jesus gets in the boat, and it says, Then they willingly received him into their ship, into their life, into their open church, and immediately the ship was at the land. Now, wait a minute. Hey, 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 hey. He's right out in the middle of the lake. He's in the boat. They've been out there two to three miles in the middle of the lake. And Jesus comes and steps in the boat. And now they're immediately to the other side. They had a hold of Jesus. 
They led him to the hill. They were going to throw him off the cliff, and he passed by. And then if you read that in Luke 4, he's in another city. Like it didn't even happen. He just walks in. Like one big bad cell. Because it was that same anointing that once that anointing got in the boat, not only were they preserved, that's why he rebuked him when the storm came. He said, why are you afraid? Don't you know there's an anointing on my words that said we go to the other side? There's an anointing that's asleep in the anointing of preservation, and you're all thinking you're going to die? And so immediately, now you look at other translations, it'll, it'll even prove it further. It says miraculously. One translation says, and they were transported to the other side. Supernatural. Are you seeing that now? That's important because let's go back to our journey. John 7. Watch this. Look at John 7. They kept wanting to kill Jesus. But why did they not succeed? Because he said, look at me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. And they were so upset that they couldn't touch him because of that anointing. Now, you're going to John 7, but I'm going to have them put up Psalm 89. Watch this. Psalm 89, watch how the anointing and protection go together. I'm going to show you something on Wednesday. It's, going to, it's, going to, it's just going to make you excited on some scriptures that you've heard that maybe you've never connected. All right, so look here at Psalm 89, and look at what it says. It says, I have found David, okay, and my servant with my holy oil, I've what? Anointed. Stop right there. Do you see the word anointing? Was David anointed? Okay, so now there's an anointing on, on David. We know that when he got anointed in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1, by the prophet Samuel, verse 13 says that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that moment on. Verse 18 of 1 Samuel 16 says that David began to be a valiant, mighty man. That's what was on that rock that knocked out Goliath. He was the anointing. Now watch this. So he's anointed. Now watch what happens. With whom my hand shall be established. That word established is my hand will be upon him. But part of that is I will protect him and preserve him for what I've called him to do. And my arm also shall strengthen him. And the enemy won't even be able to touch him. Why? Go back to verse 20. There was an anointing. When you say the spirit of the Lord is upon you. Don't treat it like you're playing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. Therefore, there's preservation. Are you listening? Now watch this. The anointing is what caused the enemy not to be able to to exact upon him. So let's go back to John 7. Know that they kept wanting to kill Jesus. And John 7, watch this. Let's go to verse 25. Then some of them of Jerusalem said, Is not this he whom they seek to kill? But lo, he speaks boldly. Oh, how many want to be like Jesus? Then preacher, quit being a coward. Christian, quit being a coward. He spoke boldly. Wasn't afraid to make people mad. We already discussed that. And they say nothing unto him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is the very Christ? Look at verse 30. But then they sought to take him. But no man laid hands on him because this was not his hour, had not yet come. Now, notice the hour had what? 
not yet come. Now, this is very important when you look at this hour had not yet come. In other words, it was not the hour or the time of his crucifixion. Okay? So, in other words, people couldn't lay hands on him. It wouldn't work. Because there was an anointing that protected him until the hour, which would be his crucifixion. I'm going to show you where the anointing of preservation lifted for them to be able to get ready to crucify him. Because it's going to strengthen you just how powerful that anointing is on your life. Watch this now. So they sought to take him, but they said the hour had not yet come. All right, let's go to the next one. I want you to go over to John 8. Again, let's keep looking at our journey here because you're going to see, man, they kept trying to kill Jesus. But that anointing preserved him. Now, this is why you have to be very smart how you live your life. What took out Samson? Sin. What took out Aaron? His mouth. Right? That's why the Bible says the devil could find nothing in Jesus. He tried. He tried to get to Jesus. You know why he tempted him? Get that anointing off him. And he could have access. Verse 56. I love this discourse. John 8, 56. He says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see your day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said uh, unto him, verse 57, wait, you're not even 50 years old, Jesus. And you've seen Abraham? (laughs) And Jesus said, truly, yeah. Before Abraham even was, I existed. I am God. (laughs) Jesus, I just got to take a minute to say you you are so amazing. I love your sense of humor, and I love the way you mess with them. I'm just giving him five. All right, now here we go. So then they took up stones. They thought he was a false prophet and cast stones at him, but Jesus hid himself. Now, I don't think this is not Jesus. Oh, they're going to throw rocks at me. Oh, I'm scared. That ain't my Jesus. Hid was they couldn't figure out where he was at. They couldn't figure out where he went. Because the anointing, the same anointing when they tried to drop him by his whatever and he passed by. I'm telling you, they're probably, dude, what'd you do? I had him in my hands and you know he was getting ready to fall. And I look and he no more. (laughs) You idiot, get back to the temple. Hurry, now. <laughs> Jesus passed right by. Now Jesus is, is hidden. That anointing. And they went through the midst of them and passed by. All right, let's go to John 10. It gets gooder. Verse 31. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. John 10, inconceivable. And Jesus answered, many good works I've showed you from my father. For which of those works are you going to kill me? The Jews said, uh, for a good work we stone thee not, but you are blasphemy. And because you, being a man, you make yourself out like you are God. And Jesus says, well, boys, is it not written in the Bible In your word that you are already God's. I could preach on that. I could make you mad with that. 
If he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world that blasphemies? Because I said I am the Son of God. I've had Jehovah's Witnesses come. He never said he was the Son of God. He just did. Okay, when Pilate, we're going to read about this, when Pilate goes, tell me plainly, don't you know I have the power to crucify you? Are you the Son of God? And Pilate was thinking he's big old bad. And Jesus said, you, literal translation, you bet I am. You know what Pilate did? I find no fault in you. He went over and he washed his hands. You are the son of God. You're my God and I love you, Jesus. All right, now watch this. Verse 39, but he said, okay, but the works that, I got to keep reading if I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. But if I do, though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I am him. Therefore, they sought again to take him. But he escaped. How do you think he escaped? Bing! I told you, this is at least three times. Once you drop, you're supposed to drop him and he's gone. The second time you pick up stones and he hides. This time I go to grab him again, you are part. What is up with you? And so the guy probably got fired from the temple or whatever. So look at John 11. So now the report comes to Jesus that Lazarus' friend is dead. I got to hurry up. This, this, this service is so short. And, 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 and Jesus waits two days longer. It's a different story. But now watch, 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 watch. All right, let's just pick up verse 6. And when he heard, therefore, that Lazarus was sick, he said, hey, man, let's stay two days in the same place. I'm not going to go raise him. Then after that, his disciples said, let us go to Judea. And his disciples said to him, Master, let me give you a reminder. No, they were thinking of their own life. The Jews of late sought to kill you, and you're going to go there again? Jesus goes, yeah. Why? He had an anointing on him. He had preservation on him. Now watch verse 16. Then said Thomas, which is, I don't know, did, 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 whatever, did miss. I could say dunce miss at that point, but anyway. Thomas was a great apostle, by the way. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, let us go, that we may die with him. Wow. Wouldn't you love to be around people like that? Oh, Pastor, you're going to go overseas? Don't you know what's going on overseas? Yeah, I'm going to go. God told me to go. There's an anointing that will preserve me. Let's go with him and die too. I mean, what would you do? I'd be like... Get out of here. Get off the plane. You're not even, if anybody ever travels with me, you are not allowed to say that. Get off my plane. Doji, you would never say that. No, we would. I've raised him right. Raised my own boy right. John 12, verse 10. So Lazarus gets raised from the dead. Now they don't want to just kill Jesus. They want to kill Lazarus also. John 12, verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Who's the other also? Jesus. They wanted to kill, kill him too. Now let's go to John 17. I'll close up this. So if you can have Pastor Doug start coming, if you can have uh, uh, whoever comes to the piano, I'm going to wrap this baby up. You enjoying this, those of you that are watching? I love you that are watching. I love you in the chapel. Now watch this. So watch what happens with this anointing. 
John 17, let's just drop down to verse 15. Now, this is some people's mentality, but look at what Jesus prays. He says, I pray not that you would rapture them out of the world. Now, we know that Jesus is coming again. Don't misquote me and say that I don't believe in the second coming. I personally don't believe that he's coming right now. And I have asked him not to come right now because I want him to fulfill what he said. And that is he's coming for a glorious church. And right now it ain't so glorious. And I think he deserves a glorious church. So if y'all want to go, you can go. Pre, 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 pre rapture or whatever. Just, just, just be blessed, be gone. I want to occupy. I want to make a difference in the earth. I want God to be glorified. I want, I want to know what it's like to pastor a church in revival. Amen? Not one that had to escape because we couldn't get it right. And everything is so bad and we're scared. So come get us, God. I would never pray that kind of prayer to the Lord. I fear God. That's who I, I fear. I'm not scared. Because I've also seen the future. I pray not that you would take them out of the world, but that you should what? Keep them or preserve them from evil. All right. So what preserves someone from, from evil? What preserved David? Psalm 89, the anointing. Are you all here? Am I preaching really boring? And, and Okay. All right. Now watch this. So Jesus is praying in the garden. That anointing is so strong on him that watch what happens in John 18. Go over to the next chapter. So now they're coming in, John 18, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come unto him, went forth and said unto them, Who do you seek? And they answered, We seek Jesus of Nazareth. And notice what his answer was. I am. That was the Hebrew for God. I am. You're looking at God. Watch what happens. And Judas also who betrayed him stood with them. As soon as they heard him say, I am God or I am, they fell backwards to the ground. Boom. Boom. Have you ever seen somebody fall under the power of God? There was so much anointing without measure because of his prayer and his life that he comes out of that time, that anointing of preservation is still on him. And they're coming to arrest him. And to prove that the anointing of preservation was on him, they fell backwards. To show you and them and all history, they could not touch him because of that anointing. Now watch. Watch. Well, okay. Here we go. Now watch what happens. I'm going to prove to you that anointing was still on him. So what was Jesus' last miracle before his crucifixion? You're about to read it. And, that, and I think he did it to show you that that anointing was still on him. That had preserved his whole, whole, whole ministry. Now look here. And they fell backwards and then asked he, uh, them again, whom you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I've told you that I'm he. If therefore you seek me, let these guys go. Okay, right? That, say, that the saying might be fulfilled, which thou gave me, that I've lost none. 
Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out and cut off the high priest uh, Melchus' ear, right ear. And Jesus said, Peter, put up the sword. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink it? In other words, he's saying, look, I'm going to prove to you that you watched there be an anointing on my life. I'm going to show you that anointing of preservation is on me. And so he gets, takes that ear and he puts it and he heals the servant. Now watch this. At that moment that he said to Peter, Peter, it's all good. I'm going to heal this guy's ear. The anointing's on me. Now, Peter, I've got to fulfill what the Lord said. I've got to drink of the cup. I've got to lay my life down. Soon as he said that, notice the next thing that they did. Then the band and the captain and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Notice they couldn't touch him. All those other examples. They could not put one hand upon him because of that anointing of the Spirit of God. It wasn't until he said, all right, Peter, puts the ear back on. Don't you know that I will fulfill what my, my father said? It's time. And at that moment, he laid down his life. He allowed them to arrest him. And that anointing lifted of that particular ministry assignment of preservation. Are you here? Stand to your feet. How many got some out of this? All right. So, in closing of this, I want to show you one last scripture. Proverbs. One of the ways that you can preserve your life and that anointing on your life. How did Jesus get that anointing? Well, there's many different ways that he got that anointing. But one of the ways that you bring that anointing of preservation on you is decree it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. Thank, just say it. Say, Lord, I'm anointed. That anointing of preservation is upon my life. The enemy cannot touch me, cannot exact upon me. My wife or my family, whatever yours is, is anointed. My children are anointed. My German shepherds are anointed. Brenda's fish is anointed. I release that anointing of preservation. Amen. There's an anointing on my cars. Amen. Now, watch this. This is why you got to be very smart. And I'm talking to you that are watching here. Why you got to watch your mouth. Watch this. Proverbs 13, 3, last scripture. And then we're going to bring Pastor Doug up. I'm going to go get ready for the next service. How many of you enjoyed this? Amen. Now, I'm going to show you on, on Wednesday. It's going to be powerful. And I think on Wednesday, what I might do, Brenda, is preach a short message. And then maybe lay hands on everybody who wants a release of the anointing. And let's believe God for a touch of anointing of preservation on their life. And we'll just go quickly. So I'll probably preach for a few minutes and just slap everybody. Oh, you know what I mean, slap. You know. So. Okay, but watch this though. Put, put the scripture up. Please, thank you so much. He that keeps his what? All right, the Amplified says it this way. He that keeps his mouth preserves his life. I'm going to say it this way. He that... Watches what he says out of his mouth will preserve the anointing on his life. You're going around talking, you know, bad and negative. You just going out and just letting sin and compromise rule your life. You're messing with the anointing of preservation on your life. I believe that's what takes out some preachers when they find out that they've been dirty. It's like their ministry gets taken out and sometimes they lose their life. Not always, so don't say that. Again, who sinned, you know, when somebody has something happen? It's what always people do. I'm just saying, I'm talking to us in this room and you that are watching. You can preserve your life 
you can preserve that anointing on your life. Watch what you say. But he that opens wide his lips shall have no preservation. Amen. I am anointed. I am anointed. I am anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I am anointed. And that anointing preserves me. Amen. Pastor Doug, give him a hand clap. Praise God. I love you. I'll see you next service. God bless you.